FC Hollywood, you know, scandals like, like tabloid type scandals, and and uh, you know they were by far far and away the the richest club. They still are, obviously, but at that time it was even more. Uh, the gulf between them and everybody else was even bigger. But. I, I always wanted Hulk Hulk Hogan to come out ripping off his shirt at the beginning, and then the whole team come up behind them <laughs> with fireworks and everything, just to, just so we can you know, just so we could have that that Hollywood effect thing. The Minnesota Football Show, your regular dose of smart, socially aware, and occasionally snarky news and commentary about local, national, and international stuff. The Minnesota Football Show co-hosts are Bridget McDowell and Sheila Reed, produced and co-hosted by Rodrigo Sanchez Javeria and Eric Silva Brennan. You can follow the Minnesota Football Show at MN Football Show on your social media platform of choice. Subscribe to and rate the Minnesota Football Show on iTunes. And welcome everyone to another episode of the Minnesota Football Show. I am Rodrigo. I am joined by the infamous and wonderful musician, Eric. Infamous. Uh, woman, sounds infamous. Right. Yes. And uh, we have a special guest today. Uh, Eric, do you want to you wanna fill us in? Sure. Well, this kind of got started uh, about a week ago. Somebody was blasting around Twitter, pick your uh, or how to pick your Liga Emiakis team, just because we're kind of in the in the MLS offseason and people are hungry for something else to watch. And then I was kind of following the thread and, oh, you should go for America. Oh, no, it's Cruz Azul. Or, oh, no, more obscure teams, Mazatlan or da 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 da. And it kept going. And I was like, no, we we talk about Liga Emiakis a little bit. But we don't really like dive into it. And the ironic part, for both Rodrigo and I married into Mexican families, and neither of them really follow Liga Mekis or are really into football in general. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure my father-in-law could maybe name, name like, three teams, maybe four tops. <laughs> so, we're like, we need, we need some help. <laughs> so, Adam Jarvey is with us today to give us a little uh, expertise on Liga Mekis. Welcome. Bienvenidos, Adam. Thanks. I, th- I think it's a little funny that you call on a uh, a white guy from northern Minnesota to be your Liga Mekis uh, voice today, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. Well, that, that's a great place to start. Oh, go ahead, Rodrigo. Yeah, no, it's because Liga Mekis does so many different things at the same time. They have the regular season, they have the Liguilla, then they have, like, it's like, it's like soccer in Mexico is like nonstop. Like, man, you might get like a two-week break and then that's it. By the way, just to let you know that we are Chivas in this household, right? We're, we're Chivas. Our biggest, our biggest, our biggest counterpart, or the biggest thing that we hate is Club America. So we loved when they lost against uh, against LAFC, and it'd be okay. Adam's smiling because I'm pretty sure so, he's Club America. I am, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, as the Club America is known here, los guajalotes. I think that's what it's called. That that's what my father-in-law has instilled in my kids since the beginning. You will never see an America jersey in this household or or, or anything. We have Chivas everywhere. So, and on, Liga, America, America is known as the Hollywood of uh, of the Liga MX. Do you guys actually follow the league then? I mean, you're talking like you guys like I know you're anti Club America, but do you actually watch watch the games or you're just like we can't have Club America and that's kind of where it starts and ends? No, I mean I'll watch from time to time. Like the the odd thing for me is 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 to get into a habit. To watching Liga MX, mm. like if it's on, I'll watch it. But but I only watch like you know, 
Uh, I'm a big, uh, I was a big Pumas fan, uh, but I was also a big uh, Cruz Azul fan. So Cruz Azul, Pumas, and um, Cruz Azul, Pumas, and uh, no Tigres from time to time, but uh, and Chivas, of course, we watched that uh, the earlier years, right? We watched that a lot. And uh, because that was the only soccer that was available at that point. And then now, like, everything's available. So, but like, I like after watching the documentary with uh, with Diego on it, and when they were doing the second division, that really got interesting. So, I was watching, been watching a little bit more. And I'm, I'm pro rel, so whatever league has a pro yeah. rel, thing, yeah, well, I'm, I'm pretty, we'll, I'm pretty looking we'll touch on these that, things. Let's bring Adam back in here, though. Um, maybe you, Adam, you can talk just a little bit about your background and uh, how you got into football, uh, tied into Minnesota United and Minnesota teams, but then specifically then lead it into how you got into Liga Miakis, because I know you got yeah. a, a fun story there and yeah, your direct connection. So th- take it away. Yeah, so it, it, it's kind of funny. So I, I grew up in northern Minnesota on the Iron Range, and as far as I can remember, I, I played hockey and soccer. And at the time, soccer was not a, not really a thing for most of outstate Minnesota, especially way up there. But my babysitter at the time was from Germany, and she kind of like force-fed me soccer from a really young age, and that's how that's how I became uh, kind of interested in it. And I played since I was you know three or four up until you know recently when I had a kid and don't have time for that anymore. But um, the way that I got into so soccer has always been a part of my life since as much I, as I can remember. My path to being a, a Club America fan and League MX fan is kind of funny. It's um, It really started when I was in undergrad and didn't have any money and couldn't afford cable. And as you guys know, uh, Univision was was like widely available. So it was one of like the five channels that I actually got. And I was so starved for any kind of soccer that I was like, oh, well, I knew every every Saturday evening and every Sunday afternoon there were going to be Liga Mekis games on. And that was like a go-to thing. And I kind of, I kind of didn't have a team for the first few years. I just kind of watched whoever was on. And then um, at the time, Club America had some really, really fun and exciting players. So like they were, and they were always on TV on Saturday evenings. So I just kind of fell into that and started to kind of fall in love with a couple of the players. And, you know, kind of interestingly, Darwin Quintero was one of the players that kind of initially grabbed my eye when he was playing in the game because he was just always trying interesting stuff. He was always, you know, playing the game with with a certain spirit that I found to be exciting and fun. And I, you know, in some ways I feel that's lacking from a lot of the European leagues that other that other people are into. Um, so that's kind of how I, I fell into it. And over time, you know, as other options became available, I still I still kind of stuck with Liga Mekis and Club America um, because I think it's, to me, it's interesting because they're our neighbors, right? I mean, it's hard for me unless I have a personal connection in some way to a club in Europe, which, which I kind of do, um, but they're in the third division in Germany. So it's hard to follow them, but you know, there are neighbors, it's relevant. Our MLS teams can potentially come up against them in CCL um, and it's entertaining. It's, you know, it's like, we all say MLS playoffs are wacky and, and crazy, but Liga Mekis in a lot of ways is that every week, you know, there's always, there's always something crazy and unpredictable going on. And, and yes, there are, you know, four, four or five or six kind of big clubs or grandes. Um, but on any given weekend, 
you know, Querétaro might throw something crazy out there or Puebla might do something fun. They're like, you just never know. And it's, to me, it's just fun to watch. And it's, you know, it, it's weird when people don't watch it because it's right next door. And it's just this fun, exciting league. That's, that's like right there and easy to watch because it's on TV all the time. Yeah. You hit on a lot of points that I already have in here. I think that accessibility thing is something we speak a lot about on this program and, and, and to the to present as well. I mean, now you were talking about when you were getting into it years ago, still today, I mean, there's a reason that Liga Miakis is the biggest football league in the United States. It's so easy and accessible to get these games. And now it's not just Univision. Univision uh, locally is Rabbit Ears 17. You can go to Rabbit Ears 25 on Telemundo and they'll, and they'll show one or two games a weekend also. They're just there. It's easier to get those matches than it is MLS. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just kind of stuck with it. And, you know, my, my wife's family has a, a house in Mexico. So we spend a fair amount of time there. Um, she has kind of distant Mexican ancestry too. Not that that really played a huge part in, in my becoming a, a follower. We, we see the beach photos and get very jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Her, her family ancestry is from like Durango and Zacatecas, but mm-hmm. the house is hey in, Zacatecas in the house that's my, yeah. my, uh, my but the, uh, the house is on Isla Mujeres so <laughs> not <laughs> a, little, bad. Not a little bad. more beautiful uh, destination that's a that's a little getaway right that's nothing to brag about right <laughs> yeah it's nice right on well thank you for that 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 was very informative um so okay so we, we, Rodrigo alluded to it earlier too and you touched on it as well um, because it is almost like a nonstop league and there's not really a huge off season, maybe you can talk a little bit about this structure because I, I mean, some of us know just cause we've been watching it, but I'm not sure where our listeners will be on it. But I mean, the two, there's two big breaks basically, right? You got the apertura and you got the clausura and we finished the apertura with Leon winning that, yep. but then it, they take like what a week or two off and then it just kicks back in again yeah. <laughs> with the next thing. So maybe you can give a little background or explain how that situation works. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like Leon just won, and now we're already in match day two of the class. Right. So that's one of the things that's really appealing about it. I, I feel like for MLS, the offseason feels like it's an eternity. You know, it, it's like by the time March rolls around again, if your team didn't make a deep playoff run, they maybe hadn't played since like early November or something like mm-hmm. that. It just, it seems like it, like a huge, huge amount of time to not kind of be involved or invested in in a league or in your team. So that's one of the great things about the MX. So yeah, the, the split season, I think is interesting. Obviously the climate, um, the climate in Mexico makes that easier than it, than it would here. Um, but yeah, we're match day two already of, of the Clausura and, um, you know, that'll roll into what late May, early June, I think. And then you have the two champs play each other for like the, yeah. the big league Yankees champ, right? So there's the, there's a champion of each of each kind of season, Apertura and Clausura, and then uh-huh. there's typically also the the Campeón de Campeones, where the the two teams that won each respective uh, seasonal tournament will play each other. I don't. I've never really gotten the sense that that's as as big of a deal as winning each individual um, season, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's a game that it's a game that um, in theory features the two best teams from a given year. Okay. And what about, so Rodrigo mentioned too, like the Ligia and all these other little mini leagues and, and little competitions that are kind of sprinkled in. Yeah. So the, you know, it's interesting, the, the playoff system 
you know, a lot of people deride MLS for having, for having playoffs and that it's not really kind of in tune with the global soccer world. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a playoff system in Mexico. The Liguilla is, is basically their playoffs every year. Um, you know, and that's, I think it's really, it's really kind of an exciting thing. I think there is some value to the playoffs. I think their system's probably a little better because unlike MLS, not like half the league qualifies for it. Uh, so it's maybe a little bit more uh, competitive in that regard. Um, and, you know, the other thing too, is they're, you know, they're playing for, uh, they're playing for CCL spots in the past, as recently as what, 2015, they've also been playing for Libertadores spots, which, you know, adds just another level of, um, of kind of drama and importance to those games. Um, you know, there's talk of, of Mexican teams being involved in Libertadores again at some point. Um, we'll see where that goes, but, um, that should always happen. It I mean, should. Libertadores is the only cup that matters. And they've done in the well. world to me. So Mexican we're pretty biased. Well, when they're there, you know, Tigres, they do. Tigres made it to the final against River Plate in 2015. Right. No, I think, I think it's, it's not only that, but like we, we've talked on this show a lot about, um, <laughs> about the aspect of how like um, this whole like America versus America, when the fact there's nothing dividing any of this geographically any of these. So that's why like when Mexico ever played, like I remember, when Mexico played in Copa America tournaments, they did extremely well, right? And they haven't been able to do that. And I think it, it has to deal with the uh, with the politics of the and the money of uh, of a Concacaf and a and a Comebol, right? And I think that's one of the things. But if you look at it, like the last time Jamaica was uh, one of the last times Jamaica was in a Copa America, like they literally w that same squad was playing together, and then literally a uh, not not within a month they went to go play um the gold cup and they made it extremely far if not won it if i, I can't recall but like the, and that was one of those things that people were saying people were saying is like look even if you do bad at the cup of america you're, you're playing against great talent and you and you're getting everyone time and touches on the ball so when you go to a living tournament you can do that and plus you make a little bit of money on the side i mean i i, I don't get it but like i i'm all for like Mexican league teams and even MLS teams, right? Uh, getting involved down the line on Libertadores, which is eventually what they're, they're trying to do. Yeah. The, the big barrier, again, which we've talked about is, is distance and those flights and things. I mean, it's, you know, if, if you're going to play in uh, Buenos Aires and you're, and you're flying from Vancouver, I mean, that's, that's an all day situation. That's, yeah. that's, that's a rough one, but you know, who knows? Things may improve in the future. Uh, but I kind of wanted to touch on some of the points that Rodrigo was kind of uh, getting to there. Um, so he mentioned the the money, but then also I kind of want to talk a little bit about some of the we talked about the the structure of the seasons. Um, what about pro rel? Because, you know, MLS gets berated because there's no pro rel. I mean, I, I certainly am not a huge fan of that and have said my piece about that many times. But Ligia Miakis isn't exactly like European style or South American style that we're more familiar with. It, it's kind of got its own situation. So maybe you can uh, talk a bit about that. Yeah. So they historically have had promotion relegation, but in, I think in April, um, all teams in the first division and the second division actually voted unanimously to suspend promotion relegation in Mexico for five years. Um, so they, it's something that they've had for a long time and then, then they suspended it. Now there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, 
a big one being just kind of financial stability of kind of the lower tier clubs in Mexico was, was so hit or miss. Even the bottom tier teams in Liga MX, um, you know, I don't know if either of you recall, like in 2000, I think it was 2019, there was a game between uh, Tigres and Veracruz where both teams actually in the middle of the game uh, protested because Veracruz players hadn't been paid in like a year. So well, I, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that's the thing too, that makes, um, this, I, that's one of the reasons why there's uh influx of Mexican Liga Mekis and other South American league players into the MLS. Yeah. It's the financial stability that A, you're going to get paid on time and yeah. B, you're going to get paid in dollars. Yeah. And it, it's a, it was a big thing in, in Mexico too, because the challenge that they were running into is they would have teams that would, that would win the Liga Ascenso, the second division, but they didn't meet the stadium standards of first division football. They didn't meet the financial standards of first division football. And there was question of like, would they be able to pay their players? Uh, and that mm-hmm. was a real thing, both for teams coming up and for teams that were already in league MX. And, and part of the challenge too, was that it was never really uh, a transparent system as many things in Mexican football, because Veracruz, for example, uh, you know, lost 41 games in a row, 2018, 2019, were relegated based on performance, but then cut a backroom deal. <laughs> where they basically bought their place back to remain in the first division. And then in 2019, they were dissolved. Their academy was dissolved. Their women's team was dissolved. Their first team was dissolved. And they, they should have been relegated like multiple times leading up to that. But their owner, Fidel Curry, who's like this really kind of questionable character kept cutting these deals and then everybody else in the league was going well wait a second what what are actually the rules here surrounding mm. promotion relegation so this past march or april everybody just voted to you know what let's put it on pause and we're going to stabilize the teams in league mechies now there's only 18 teams we're going to try to get them stable the second division now at least for the next five years i think probably permanently won't have promotion to the first division. And the goal of it is really now to become more of a player development league. So it's actually starting to move in the direction that, <laughs> that we have here. Uh, right. Like a league one or a MLS one or MLS two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the interesting thing about um, that, the one of the things is that you just touched that is that there's a lot of well-known Mexican teams in the, that have their own women's team. Yeah. Right. And the way the system that is brought over here, um, it's not that way. And it there isn't that level of support. And like it totally makes no effing sense to me at all. Like if I was gonna copy any model at all to start a new women's league, I I I take the League of Feminine MX because they did they, I think they've done a really good job in the aspect of not only marketing, but um um Pointed out the that this is the way that we want to be able to do it. And like for the first year, the league was like Mexican players only. And like that was like a big, big WTF moment where like, wait. And so like a lot of Mexican American players who were were put in a position where like, well, I can't really play. I can't really play. So then like it became, but they were like, it was, it was like that Chivas approach, right? That we only use Mexican players. We only build around team Mexican players, right? We don't we don't do the the Club America thing, and we get all the Benedettis of the world or the Darwin Quinteros of the world, and and we'll just pay to pay to build up. But it's 
but I, I really appreciate that. And I, I'm hoping that um, the Liga Femenil gets picked up more by big, big as uh, Eric calls them, bunny, rabbit, bunny rabbit stations. Uh, like, <laughs> like uh, rabbit ears. <laughs> no, they're bunny rabbits. <laughs> um, but um, just uh, just so we can watch them like on TUDN or Univision or even Telemundo because like uh, my father-in-law was the first one and he lives with us uh, currently who would like once the league started like started texting us because we have we have women athletes in this household and they love watching soccer and so uh, and they play actually one of them is, is playing right now so um So it's one of those things where, like, yeah, we want to be able to see that. We want to be able to see what's going on, right? And 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 in all honesty, like, if I was, and this is my rant, if I was like, if I if I were to choose, you know, which development system I had to put my kids in, I more than likely would not stay away stay away from the United States and try to see if I can get my kids citizenship in Mexico, and they already have double citizen uh, double nationality in Mexico and Peru, and try to see if I can feed them into those systems where there is a need for players, right? Well, one of the points that you made, I think, is a really good one because I think they figured out, unlike what we've done here, where there's, in most cases, there's not a real strong connection between the local MLS team and the local NWSL team, if there are two that exist in the same city, they're like, it's one and the same, right? It's, it's part of one club. So for me, it's actually been easier in some ways to kind of get into Mexican women's football, because it is, they've actually been showing a fair amount of games on Tudayane and some of the other channels. And if you have like Fubo, you know, you might not get it with, with the rabbit ears, but if you have Fubo or one of the streaming services, I actually, when I'm just scanning through that, I come across those games more often than I do NWSL games, just mm-hmm. based on the channels that I get. And as an America fan, I don't have to think about like, picking which team to follow it's like oh i'll follow america's team whereas here like we don't you know we don't have a local women's professional team so it's like how do you who do you pick and how do you watch them and i think it's a missed opportunity for the u.s system to not build off the popularity that already exists like i don't know it i think you're seeing the same in europe too with now the, the a lot of the premier league teams have have women's sides that are they're, they're part of the same club and i think there's a there's a certain prestige that goes along with that um you know if you're a player coming out of college and you're getting scouted for the professional ranks are you going to go to sky blue fc um or are you going to go to spurs or chelsea or you know or manchester united right right <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and that's the thing too and then we find ourselves in the situation that the former utah women's team is like they relocated and they had nowhere else to go because there's no there's no other way to you know real salt lake is not really a place that they want to be so they ended up going back to kc and so like well how is that going to work out right because now when you were when you were in, in 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 the tinto stadium you had access to the stadium you had access to practice fields and now you're trying to figure you're, you're going into a, a soccer saturated city which is, uh, I know I never thought Kansas City would refer to as a saturated soccer city, but it is with tournaments and all the other things that they have and try to compete for field space. It's it's going to be really interesting how this how this team um, comes out of this whole thing. And I think that's the other thing too, is that I feel that at least for for the, the women's side of the Liga MX uh, 
the model that Mexico has done um, is, is 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 a good one to to kind of you know there's there are things that are great and there's things that are not so great right uh, and I think they're the aspect of uh, and, and I think some of those things the the NWCL is thankful for like the fact that they don't they're not a lot they weren't allowing other other players to to go into that league and I think the rest, those restrictions are beginning to become less and less and I think you know honestly I would not put it above it if at one point the you know the Liga Femenina Mexica it's it surpasses the NWCL in the aspect of talent and the aspect of like where do you want to go play for to be competitive. Now, in the financial aspect of it, that's a different conversation to have because every team in South America has like, there's horror stories of players not getting paid for months, if not for a whole season. Um, in Peru, that is way too common. And actually, one of my dad's favorite, no, I forget which team got, you know, Alanis Lima got relegated. And that team has been around since playing professional league one status in Peru since like 1901. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of crazy things that are, that, that, that are happening. But I think one of those things is that I appreciate about the Liga MX is, is that format aspect of it. Yeah. I kind of want to tie a couple things together here. Uh, this is a great discussion. I, I want to be respectful of your time too, Adam. I don't want to keep you if you have to, if you have a, a busy weekend. <laughs> it's all good. My, my two-year-old is napping now. So. Right on, right on. Just because last week, uh, I think we told Sarah we were going to be like a 20-minute interview, and then like 45 minutes later, we did like two or three Minnesota goodbyes, and we kept going and kept going. It's all good. I'm, I'm happy to stick around as long as you guys want me to. So. Cool. Um, so I was going to tell a brief story. So maybe three or four years ago, so my, my, my partner's family is from Guanajuato, and we were down there, and we ended up in uh, San Miguel de Allende, and had this, uh, ended up at this bar with this really cool bartender, and you know, they, they, apparently they had their own beer, but they don't they, they don't put it on the menu because, you know, there's tourists coming in and out and nobody wants to. It's, we started talking and he kind of like, oh, you guys know your beer. You guys. And he disappears and he comes back with like the San Miguel de Allende. I am very, you know, and with a little bit of agave. It was fantastic. So we, we had this good vibe and we were just, you know, getting to know each other and stuff. And we started talking about football. And I was like, I, I made the mistake of just assuming that a lot of the up the outside communities would just support the biggest team, which in this case would be Leon, right? And he just kind of <sighs> did this big sigh, and I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> I hit a nerve. And I'm like, I didn't mean to offend. He's like, no, 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 it's not that. And, and so he goes to tell me this story about they had their, I don't remember if he said it was second or third division, Inter San Miguel de Allende, something like that. And the team was dissolved and picked up by, I'm, I'm looking at them right here. I'm looking at the, at the current uh, roster in the, the cluster. They, they became San Luis Potosí, like this new team. And I can either confirm or, or uh, speculate or whatever, but according to this bartender, very much influenced by narcos and dark money and all this stuff. And so he was very upset about that, that his, his little team from his, you know, his little town became this super corrupt thing just to get bumped up to the first division. So I'm using that to kind of talk maybe about some of the dark side, which would be kind of the narco money and everything else that may be floating around if you want to take it from there. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, it's one of those things that nobody really wants to acknowledge because you've got this big popular league and there's a lot of money. And whenever there's a lot of money, um, that stuff is usually not too far beneath the surface and I think um you know Cruz Azul you know big big team one of the one of the four grandes 
in Mexican football. Their president uh, last spring was indicted on uh, money laundering charges and all sorts of you know fun stuff like that. Um, so it's not it's not just some some of the kind of provincial clubs that are kind of tangled up in this. It's happening at the highest the highest levels. Um, you know, and it's hard to really know how how deep it goes. Um, you know, but as I was kind of thinking more about this question, I was you know doing a little research last night, and I found a story that I hadn't seen before, um, which you two might find interesting. Do you remember Jared Borghetti? Played for El Tri. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on the national team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of star, star player, right? Um, turns out he was a witness to the murder, to the assassination of the head of the Tijuana cartel. So he was at this guy's 64th birthday party back in like 2013 when a man dressed as a clown came in and gunned the guy down right in front of him. And there's video of this on YouTube and there's Jared Borghetti sitting at a table with his cartel leader's wife. So, you know, here you have a really prominent public figure, a national kind of athletic sporting hero. And here he is sitting at the table with the wife of a cartel leader and seeing him gunned down by a clown. So, you know, it's a lot of layers. There's I got, I, I got the net, I got the next Netflix series ready to go. I'm <laughs> no kidding. Borghetti y la mafia. There you go. And then no, it's it's crazy. Like yeah, there's if you look at, have you guys ever seen the uh, the what is it the is it what's it called like um, the comedy drama Netflix show called Club de Cuervos? Heard of it? Haven't seen it. Yeah, like everything you've mentioned is is like somewhat in there, and like the whole aspect of buying a team to get to that. Yeah, if you watch it. That's exactly how. To, what's it all about? Okay. About the small town team trying to make it to the first league, but then having to deal with a bunch of different drama and and things. It's it was entertaining. I watched the first season, I think, and then after that, I was like, he just recycles things. But they do things that you know, crazy things. And then like if you watch the if you watch that, and then you watch like the documentary of the uh, uh, what was the team that Diego coached. Um, Dorados. There you go, those Dorados. And you watch that and that, and you're like, that's actually almost true. <laughs> it feels like that's what it's like. And I, I wouldn't put it past anything to do that, but you you get a you get kind of like a like a view of what it's like to be like us. Uh, you know, second division uh team um fan, right? Like they interview folks about how like they've been here for 30 years and this will be what they hand down to their kids, and like the the love for the game is there. All these crazy things is like you, you never hear in the MLS aspect of it, you know. That it's, is true. It's embedded. Yeah. It's embedded. Yeah, because because the uh, Los Dorados was actually like you know it's a uh, the 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 area that they're in is like it's heavy cartel mafia area. So you you know everyone how is it not any money connected into that? Just like when uh, Pablo Escobar ran the the Colombian league, literally like, you know, there's, there's money, there's ways to do that. So there's a lot of interesting things in, in, in that aspect of it. But, but yeah, I mean, I remember Borghetti, but that's just crazy. So there's, you said there's videos of still on YouTube of the, of the cartel person just like getting gunned down. That's crazy. Yeah. It's uh, it's fascinating. I think that's one of the, that's actually one of the big questions. I think, you know, a lot of us, myself included dream of some kind of merged, league uh mm. north american superliga or something like that i have it in here 
the <laughs> huge questions is like what what happens with all of that because people yeah. are looking at the timeline of of it happening sometime around the 2026 joint world cup being held in north america you know that's not that far off that's five years yeah. off and you know how are how do you reconcile the fact that a significant number of uh, of clubs that would be part of that venture from league mx have likely some ties to some really bad stuff um yeah. i don't know i don't know what you do there i don't know what the answer is Right, right. Some, and, 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 some would say you could look at the MLS owners, and if you dug deep enough, you'd, you'd find some bad stuff. Yes, too. well, well said. That is a very good point. And that would be start the next, to build alliances that, the, and things. That will be the next next Netflix series, right? Yeah. When, these, when these two, <laughs> I don't know if it needs right. to be a series, my man. We're, we're, we'll probably be living it the way things <laughs> are kind of going. Um, I don't want to focus too much on the negative, but I, but the one last thing I do want to bring up is, I mean, the P chant is one of those things that unfortunately. It, it, it was kind of started there, but then it's been exported so far. And I mean, I, I remember it, 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 it didn't even exist in like Brasileiro and th throughout Brazil and South America until the 2014 World Cup. And then, you know, people that heard are like, oh, we have license to do this. And then all of a sudden, you know, the World Cup ended and that stayed. And it's been really hard to eradicate now six years, seven years later. So I, I don't know, maybe your take on on where you see that. And, and, and I mean, homophobia regardless of the country is, is in these games and in these leagues is still an issue but but that chant in particular seems like it just it i mean it was it took off there nationally and then just spread so i'll throw it to you yeah i mean i, I think you can't deny that there's been some progress made and a, a big part of it was fmf actually acknowledging that it was a problem which they didn't do for a long time. They, mm -hmm. they tried to explain it away. It, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, it's just a cultural thing you don't understand. Um, but then when they came out and actually said, no, wait, this is wait, not. Wait, 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 wait. Where have we heard it's just a cultural misunderstanding context yeah. recently? Recently not, but a couple of years ago, a lot of players were even saying that. You know, a lot of the famous right. players were coming out and saying, ah. My, my, reference, my reference is the whole Cavani situation. Oh, well, yeah, 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 with, yeah, with the yeah. racial aspect of that. Um, but that was, a, that was a thing for a long time where a lot of players in, in Mexico, big players, were refusing to kind of publicly uh, condemn that chant. And it's, Eric, it's funny you mentioned the 2014 World Cup. So I was, I was in Brazil for that. And my wife and I were at uh, Mexico-Croatia game in Recife or Recife. Oh, one of my favorites. I, um, I love that city so much. Fun, like really fun game Mexico put on a show got to see Luka Modric play in person but yes. like it, it was jarring to be in that stadium where Mexican fans outnumbered Croatian fans probably 10 to 1 uh, there were probably 20,000 Mexican fans there and we were in the upper deck surrounded by them and having a good time but anytime there was a goal kick for Croatia that chant was deafening right and, and it wasn't it wasn't all hardcore people that were drunk and angry. It was kids and families and mothers and sisters. Everybody was doing it. And it, it was like shocking to us, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're going like, we're sitting in the middle of this and you're looking around and you're going, are, are all of these people that homophobic? Like, is this really, is this really happening? And at the time it was hard to imagine it ever going away. Um, right. But then I was also at Azteca in 2017 for World Cup qualifying for U.S.-Mexico. Um, and the PA announcer there 
like tried the tried their best to like play uh you know music or something over it or they try to get people to go like oh mexico or something like that and it it worked until michael bradley scored mm. <laughs> you know like people kind of went along with it until the u.s scored and then people got upset and then it was like forget it you the pa announcer could have done whatever and it wouldn't have mattered and for the rest of the game it happened um you know, and it's hard to say where it stands now because there haven't really been fans in stadiums this right. year, or, or many fans anyway. Um, but it's a, it's a problem. Maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll be a bonus. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I think the only bonus is that we're not hearing it now. That's the thing. Yeah. I think yeah. once you get once you get once you get people back in the stadiums, if we allow that or some sort of format, that it, you you're not going to be able to control. And I think one of the things that has happened. No, it's, it's just, you know, finding teams and, and finding people, right? Uh, as much as, you know, like, as much as delicate financial is in, in the Liga Emeki, specifically with the teams that do have and the teams that don't have, um, it, it really becomes a, a, a issue when you start finding folks for, for that aspect of it. And I think I think in five years down the line, if, if the same effort keeps on going, I think it will make a much bigger impact. But to see something we're hearing it less i agree but at the same time we are we're, we're seeing other things even more right i mean and and that's the 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 upsetting part like i remember myself being this was 97 being um being in peru and i and i went to a, a bunch of uh liguilla games and like and um i was always taught never to go into the norte or the or or the um or sewer sections because that's where all the like crazy people said it but being close enough i could totally see the impact and like they would the profanity and the homophobia coming from the chance was like was like wait is this and then people were just like getting sucked into the whole thing and i was like is this really what we want you know is this this is how does this do anything else but it is it is a stigma that it not only affects liga max in a sense but affects lots of uh south american leagues um and, and and it is a problem to be honest with this it's a big problem that so far um you know it, it's only really affected Liga max i don't know what uh come ball has done in the aspect of the other leagues so there it, it's kind of what adam said like it, i think the players are the key once the players start speaking up about it then all of a sudden management and all the way down down the line they actually have to start taking more concrete action and, and rolling out financial consequences and other actual consequences that that's what's finally started happening but as it on like before the pandemic and stuff like that but i mean it was a good it took four or five years yeah and i the player the player thing is a big part of it and you know i think back to last season um in liga maggie's uh tigres's goalkeeper nahuel guzman uh, dyed his hair in a rainbow pattern and he's kind of known for being outspoken about things um, but that like it, it may seem like a minor thing but for the starting goalkeeper of one of the biggest teams in the hemisphere mm-hmm. to dye his hair rainbow color and and play like that for a match that's a big step yeah. like culturally that's a big step um, you know and it's it's, it's a good step. It's not going to address everything, but I think the more you start to see things like that be accepted, um, the closer you're going to get to, to ending it. But it's, it also kind of highlights part of the, you know, going back to the, to the women's league 
portion of it, it, you know, on one hand, you've got these great strides being made in the women's game in Mexico. On the other hand, you've got, you've still got scandals on the men's side that show that like equality and, and women's justice issues are still a problem. Like Renato Ibarra from Club America, uh, Romario Ibarra's brother, uh, former yeah. Minnesota United player, yeah. uh, was arrested last year for some horrific, like unspeakable stuff he did to his, to his partner. Um, and Club America said, you'll never play for us again, but they didn't release him and they're still trying to sell him, <laughs> you know? So yeah. on the one hand, it's like, they're saying, oh, this is terrible, but we're still going to try to make some money off you and sell you mm. to something else. So, um, and then at the same time, they're, you know, they're, they're tweeting about kind of women's, women's justice and women's issues and trying to promote yeah. their, their, uh, their women's team. And like, there's still kind of this uh, both sides thing going on that uh, that's the problem. Well, let's, let's look at some of the positives. And we already kind of talked about this, the potential merger. Um, I was just kind of curious just to ask you what, what might be some of the narratives that you're kind of following right now as this Clausura kind of starts up and, uh, and, and, you know, back to that original question, like, I know you'll say follow Club America, but who should people that are just getting into it maybe for the first time, what team should they pick and why? Yeah, good question. I think um, one of the interesting narratives is going to be, will Leon be able to continue their form from the Apertura through the Clausura? Uh, you know, one of the interesting things when a team like Leon who's not one of the four grandes uh, or six, if you include Monterrey and Tigres, um, they'll put together a really good run for a season or two. And then America or Pumas or Tigres or Monterrey comes in and scoops up their players. <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've already started to see that a little bit with Leon in uh, Rodrigo Pedro Aquino from Peru. Was Leon player a big part of their uh, kind of defensive midfield now plays for Club America? Uh, yep. I mean, and, they got the pockets, so yeah. I mean. So you know, can can the Leones uh, and the Santos and the Tolucas of Liga MX, uh, you know, make runs and and knock off the big guys? Uh, I think is always part of the fascinating narrative, and I think people really get excited when when one of those kind of more provincial teams um, is having a good year because it shows that there's um, there's a chance outside the the kind of four or six uh, kind of mega clubs. So that's always an interesting narrative. Of course, Cruz Azul, um, if you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yes, our, we covered we covered what happened to them about a month ago. Yeah, I mean, like, great team, one of the traditional big teams from, from Mexico City, uh, but unquestionably cursed at this point, right? Like you can't even deny it. Um, Pumas is a is always an interesting team. They're affiliated with the big university in Mexico City, um, one of the other kind of three big teams in Mexico City. Of course, as Rodrigo mentioned, Chivas, uh, with their to me weird Mexican only. <laughs> Mexican only is one way to put it. No foreigners allowed is another way to put it. And when you put it the latter, it sounds a little bit less interesting <laughs> to me. Right. Um, and then there's the, the two teams from Monterrey who. You know, I think historically there have been the four big teams, the Los Cuatro Grandes in Mexico, the three teams from Mexico City, America, uh, Pumas, and Cruz Azul, and then Chivas, the fourth kind of big mega club. But in the past decade or so, I think you'd have to argue that uh, the two teams from Monterrey should be included in that as well. Uh, Monterrey or Rayados and Tigres, uh, 
Monterey has four four CCL titles in the last ten years. Four. Uh, and Tigres just won. And Tigres <laughs> just won, and they made the yeah. Liga Tigres final in 2015. So they're unquestionably yeah. um, big teams. But if if you're looking for if you're looking for a team that's maybe outside of the uh, the limelight, uh, you know, Leon is a good one. Santos is a good one. Uh, Toluca, I think, always has really fun support. They're one of the teams that's always on uh, Univision a lot. Um, they've got a really cool kind of urban stadium, actually called La Bombonera. So, uh, ah, interesting. Yeah, I think there's a there's a recognition there that they uh, their fans bring an atmosphere that's um, you know similar to what you'd see in Argentina. Uh, so they're always fun, um, you know. Of course, I'm a, because- I'm a sucker for uh, pirataria. So how 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 long can Mazatlan hang on to number four? <laughs> I love the cannons. Give me cannons. The cannon and their their stadium they call the Kraken too. So ah, oh, <laughs> that's it. I'm done. That's there my team. <laughs> no, I mean, there's the there's the uh, San Luis de Potosi, right? There's always. Um, I remember from those. I don't know if they're currently. I don't have a current roster. Who's the who are the teams for this season? But like San Luis de Potosi, just uh, and then there's always you that Juarez, um, who I always. Yeah, that's the, that's the team that broke my bartender's heart, though, man. That goes back to my story. <laughs> what Juarez? Yeah, no, yeah. No, well, San Luis. San Luis. San Luis. <laughs> well, I mean, San Luis de Potosi. Is, it's like the whole story of, of that city you know and, and and everything else is uh or puebla right i mean i think those are those are those are teams that there's there's you're gonna find decent quality of soccer right uh but as you as you go up into the up in the upper tiers of the players and you i mean the team is you know the quality is going to get much better i i've always you know like i'm i'm a glutton for punishment apparently right because uh i'm a newcastle fan but i'm also uh uh <laughs> Uh, Cemento Cruz Azul fan, and you know, because of the Peruvian um connection, right? Before Yoshimir Yotun, you know, they had um, they had Juan, Juan Reynoso Guzman, right? Um, who was a great, you know, one of the Peruvian footballers that, that came out and was successful in in, in Liga Mekis, right? And I think those those are the things that stand in my mind. And um, I still have a an old Cruz Azul jersey somewhere in one of my containers of jerseys that I'm not allowed to wear anymore because I have way too many to hang up. So um, you complain about me being the kit guy. That was the whole thing last episode. Come on, kit no, guy. No, you know I said you're obsessed with kits. I didn't say you owned lots of kits. That's fine, a that's fine. a different conversation, right? right? Yeah. Don't ask me what I do with my Argentinian jersey that someone bought me. Don't 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 ask what I do. <laughs> Um, well, maybe just to wrap up, Adam, at least in this portion here, um, I was just going to mention for, for the listeners, uh, for tonight, we've got Chivas, Toluca. That should be an interesting match. Cruz Azul, Puebla, Monterrey, and America, which, I mean, that's a – yeah, exactly. That'll be fireworks. And at least two of those I know are going to be like on the regular Univision and Telemundo. I'm not sure about the third, but just – Turn on 17 or, or 25 or your streaming thing of choice, and you can probably pull those up. But I, let's just tie this in as the last little piece, because we, we heard this Minnesota United rumor, and, it, and maybe it's since been pushed aside. I'm not sure where it stands. But at the very least, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, Club America's Ibarguen, I think is how we pronounce it, right? That's how I say it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he, Colombian winger is about all I know, but I'm yeah. you know you know more than I, so by all means. Yeah, he's a he's a fun player. He's one of those players that um, when he's on the field, kind of catches your eye, like kind of like Darwin in his prime. 
he was just a flashy kind of exciting player, uh, kind of a true left winger. Um, but he's kind of, I think his time at club America has just kind of run its course. So he's, he's 28, which from an MLS standpoint, still kind of in that attractive age range from a big super club, like club America standpoint, he's starting to get old. So He's the, I think, the odd man out or the old man out in a lineup um, that's really, really talent heavy with young, like 25 and under players. And he's really talented, um, but he's also on a, on a huge team that's loaded with talent. And unfortunately for him, a lot of that talent's younger. Um, yeah. So they Benedetti. All, yeah. But, so you've, you've got Benedetti, you've got Cordova, you've got Leo Suarez, you've got, you could name like seven guys that are the same quality of player um, as Ibargwin or better. Um, and they're younger and they've also just gone through a coaching change. So Piojo Herrera is now out. Thankfully. Um, that was so much fun to watch. <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to miss all the drama. <laughs> yeah, so, so he's out. Would, were were you the, watching that game at all? Adam? The <laughs> one where you got his He's just shaking his head for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I was just shaking his head. That, that was probably one of the funnest games ever. Like I was watching, what was it? The, was it TUDN? I think it was when they like literally had like a poll at halftime. Should Piojo leave, right? And like literally had a Twitter poll. Like so, like eighty percent left. And literally, like a day later, he was gone. I yeah. was like, well, I mean, for like the last year, anytime America loses. Fuera Piojo has been a, a top 10 trend in Mexican uh, Twitter. So like really polarizing figure, obviously like getting back to the whole homophobia thing, a really problematic right. figure. Um, and I, as an America fan, I'm glad, I'm glad to see him, uh, to see him out the door. Uh, Thank you for mentioning time, that. Yeah. So, but, you know, getting back to Ibarguen, uh, you know, now new coach Santiago Solari, uh, who last coached Real Madrid, um, so he's got all these young players. I think Ibargwin's probably looking at it and saying, you know what, um, the writing's kind of on the wall here. Maybe it's time for me to, to move on. Um, and some people were asking me on Twitter, like the fact that he isn't getting playing time at America, like, is that a concern for you? Would you still want to sign him? And I just point to Columbus crew signing Lucas Zararayan. Same situation, you know, 27, 28 year old guy, really talented, but was struggling for minutes at Tigres. Um, yeah. Talented player on a talent heavy team. Right. And MVP um, of the, of the finals. So yeah, yeah. It just comes and tears up MLS. Ibargwin's not, not quite the level of Zalarayan, but I, the fact that he wasn't like starting anymore at America isn't, isn't a sign that he's not a good player. It's just that he's on an incredibly deep team. Right. But he's, he's also bears some injury. Right. So then, um, and so, I think one of the conversations that were, that were I was hearing from the Mexican news news is that his 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 uh, salary was much higher than what we would have offered Molino in this case, and so then the question is is like there's interest from the MLS and specifically from Minnesota, but the question is can we can we come an agreement uh, on price right and lower the price maybe we extend a three year contract or a two year contract. Uh, that might be an approach, but until that money comes down, I don't think, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice rumor to, to start a nice watch for our friend, Mark Frankmeyer to, to, <laughs> to, to, to get on. But like, it's one of those things where like, 
well, if we couldn't play Molino and now he's playing for the champions, what do we have to do in order to convince someone from Club America to come play for like a, a year? Because well, we'll hold that thought because we're going to talk Libertadores in a little bit too. And I have some other suggestions for, for left wing. <laughs> but uh, maybe we can wrap this section up. Adam, thank you so much uh, for providing your expertise. And uh, maybe you can feel- let folks know. Oh, go ahead, Rodrigo. No, I was just going to feel welcome to stay on. You can stay on through the whole show yeah. if you really want. Yeah. yeah. Ha- happy to. We'll take a little break and we'll, get, we'll keep moving. But um, if folks want to ask you any questions about Liga Miakis, do you want to give uh, a contact of some kind, whether it's the, the Twitter or the, an email or whatever? Yeah, so Twitter, uh, you'll have to follow or request me because I locked it down because so many crazies are out there. But uh, it's M Solidarity. who on Twitter. My guess is that a lot of people listening to this already know me uh, right. to some degree. But if you don't, uh, M Northstar82 on Twitter, uh, send me a follower request. If I see that there's some connection to other people I know, uh, I'll allow it. I'm just trying to trying to keep the crazies out of my life. That's all. Understood. Thanks again. Uh, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Lisa Watch, and no, you must be to me because I am definitely not blessing your ears in this podcast. Anyways, back to the Minnesota football show. Welcome back to the Minnesota football show. I am Rodrigo Sanchez Chavarria, better known as RSC Spoken Word on Twitter, and inundating your recently your uh, your twitter feed with like posts of my kids playing guitar so that's kind of cool thing we have eric here who was also a uh, protagonist in that aspect of it so thank you eric and and our special guest adam who has uh decided to stick around and 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 deal with the badness here we are the, yes <laughs> the, that's well usually said. usually you gotta, usually you gotta put up with us longer right yeah 50 <laughs> minutes in plus that's usually when our guests were like all right i've had enough of eric yep. and specifically had enough of rodrigo talking our guests just, sometimes our great. co-hosts are like we're out of here that's right we're leaving <laughs> right yeah yep that's usually the way so uh right on well let's let's talk a little bit about minneapolis city because kind of some big news here well it, it ties in with NWSL KC and whatever that new team is going to be called, but they, they kind of released their, their technical staff and you scroll to the very bottom and Allie Lipscher goalkeeper coach. She's currently the goalkeeper coach of Minneapolis city. So pretty badass, mad congratulations to her that she'll be working with the new NWSL Kansas city team. And from from what I understand, she's not going to give up her responsibilities here as well. So I think she's going to be doing double duty. So awesome. That's crazy, but awesome, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear about uh, Abby Dahlkemper? No, please. Uh, just signed with Man City. Ooh, wow. Okay. So, so our favorite uh, forward, former forward for Minnesota United, might be doing some traveling back and forth. So. That's pretty cool. Um. Regarding their roster, they're starting to Minneapolis City again. That is, they're starting to put names together. Uh, Samuel Ruiz Plaza, uh, Will Kidd, who is always fun to watch. He's still the uh, all-time Minneapolis City top scorer. Uh, fun to watch. Um, Minnesota United again. We're still in the quiet times, and we we 
we already covered uh, one of those one of those points there. Amarija, I'll throw this to both of you guys. Uh, we, you know, we, we we joked last week with the whole Paraguayo <laughs> celebration thing, and that he might be uh, renegotiating his contract to uh, to drop trowel like like his countrymen. <laughs> the the Guarani, the Guarani full Monty. That's right. Um, but then it comes out, all joking aside, that may, maybe he is actually leaving, and and uh, he he played in, in Ecuador, I think, at one point. Is that right or not? No, he was in Argentina. I, I can't remember. He no, did. He, no, he played in Quito, right? Yeah. There you go. So now they're saying he might be going back to uh, uh, Liga de Quito, at Quito, and nobody knows. They're talking about well, I mean, an offer of fifty percent uh, from Velez. I don't know. I'll, I'll throw it to you guys. I think Velez overall. That's what they do. A lot of Argentinian clubs. Just like America, you know, except the Argentinian clubs are much better at this. That they'll 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 sign players and then they loan them out. And I and I don't think Luis Amarilla uh, is any exception. So I think the talk that they're loaning them out is the talk that you will always hear. And I think uh, whoever's willing to pay top money for them, that's where we'll go, or there's some sort of agreement. Um, I I know the club was trying to figure out if there was a way that they could configure. Uh, um, another loan due to what happened in, in, in COVID, but you know, money talks more than anything. And, and if Luis Maria leaves, right. And um, you know, we haven't made any financial commitments. Right. And we all had our ideas because it made sense. The aspect that he had surgery in the United States uh, to repair whatever foot problem he had um, that, you know, that that was a good sign or a goodwill gesture that he might be willing to stay here. But, you know, in football and money, anything goes. So, yeah, I, I, I'd love to see him get his get a second shot. I feel like we never really got to see what he could do. You know, the, the two games before he got injured, he looked dynamite. He looked like he was moving really well, but then he never looked the same after that. And it's really hard to tell. And, you know, I wonder. I wonder if a, if a club in, in Ecuador where he's more well-known, where, you know, he's played in the past and they kind of know what they're getting with him or at least feel more confident uh, about what they're getting with him, if they're going to be more willing to make a permanent offer to Velez for him than we would because we still haven't, I don't think, really had a chance to evaluate him. So, you know, money talks at the end of the day. Uh, I'd love to see him come on another loan spell here, but uh, we'll see if, if his club is willing to, to play ball with that well that is a direct segue then to the next point where um matt doyle was recommending santos Boré, who, who that name will come back because i will talk about him shortly he, play, he plays for river plate who just got knocked out of libertadores and i guess spoiler alert this dude basically single-handedly tore apart tore apart palmetas earlier in the week i mean he was everywhere he scored a goal set up the other one and just shredded the defense for like 90 minutes um he is fun to watch he's extremely athletic 25 year old uh colombian dude but i mean just from what i saw in that one match i i'm not going to pretend that i've been watching him his entire career but in that one match seeing what he did and the idea of him linking up with (laughs) renoso would be just the biggest party I could imagine. I mean, that would be so much fun to watch. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him at all. No, he did. He did great. in um, in that one game, I, I think one of the things that I have an issue with is just how long it took us to get Emmanuel Reynoso and having to deal with another top Argentinian team. 
might just be like you know it might be like a telenovela type of type of length right you know oh, you, you know episodes, it will be 300 <laughs> episodes in before you find out who really is the dad right you know that, uh, that's gonna be fangmire looking at all the frequent flyer right, miles again right. back and, forth. <laughs> and so like I, I think santos would be great but but i also feel that for the money um I, you also need to look uh you know um you, you need to look at other options as well too and then there's the aspect too it's like you if you buy down gregush's contract if you buy down um tomas Chacon's contract if you are able to to do that and you can open up spots for for other positions right i mean i mean and, and, and that's just the way that the game is right now it's like that's how you want to be able to do it and i think do i think Minnesota has another $5 million in them or more to, to, to do that. I personally, no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't yeah. think that's, that's a financial decision that um, the big heads will, will decide. So I think they're going to look in with closer and probably stay within that, you know, 600 or $700, uh, $700,000 range to, to see if they can find someone who can fit that left wing. Right. Uh, if it isn't Tomas Chacon in, a, in some sort of a sense, right. Then it has to be someone else who, is okay being on the left and not being forced to play on the left. So. so the other names I'll throw out there for left wing, and I'll talk about them too, is Soteldo, and he's currently at uh, Santos. He's from Venezuela. And um, Adriano, maybe another forward, he's one of the strikers for Palmeiras. Um, but again, these these are not... Uh, <laughs> the figures you just gave Rodrigo are probably triple or quadruple <laughs> right. for that's any the, of these guys. That's the thing. It's like right now, like, like you know, if we... like. Like if we, and and then we'll get into the Molino situation later on um, because there's different depths of, of level, right? Uh, but I think, um, you know, you need to find someone who's comfortable playing into the system and as someone who's willing to make those runs and test that back line, right? I think because as far as we know, as long as, as long as, uh, Emmanuel Reynoso gets the ball that and grabs all the attention. He's quickly able to find you if you're making a run into open space, and that's that's how Molino got successful the last half of the last half of the season was was able right. to pinpoint his runs and make that. And when you have someone that can do that and understands like that's what I'm going to do, then it just becomes a much simpler game. So, can you get that for seven hundred thousand dollars? Sure, right? You can do that. Can you get it for cheaper? True. Can you do it through the draft? Quite possibly. I mean, you look at um, you look at New England Revolution. Uh, oh, geez, their left back who was a forward, um, who was a spark plug during the playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Um, I can't think of his name right now, but um, but he was great, and he went through the draft, right? I mean, I think, I think you should also look at if you're gonna look, you look at Canada, right? We already have a Canadian on our team that's pretty decent. Uh, the Canadian midfielders are producing decent midfielders, right, and a decent attacker. So it's. That, that those are options that you can look into in, into as well. I think they're, you know, but Liga Mekis is one of the things. If you're going to bring someone from overseas, make sure that you, you have to give up the international spot. And um, my money has always been like, why not in, Why not invite, um, uh, not Claudio Reina, but, uh, or Gio Reina, but, but uh, the other Reina, the Peruvian Reina, uh, Jordi Reina. He was mm-hmm. just released from D.C., they didn't renew his contract and DC is no longer the most Peruvian team in MLS, um, unfortunately, <laughs> but, but Jordi is one of those players who likes to be even out. There's similar, similar play of Molino, not as effective, but similar play likes to connect, likes to do things. I, you deal with attitude. Yeah. We dealt with attitude before, you know, if anything goes bad, I kicks you to the curb and you like, you're gone pretty much, you know, this is the way that it works, but there are options out there. So. 
Anything to add, Adam? Yeah, I think part of the part of the challenge that I see with with our front office is for players that are that are kind of proven quantities already, like anybody that's standing out in the semifinals of Libertadores is probably out of our price range. I mean, you look at like Reynoso alone, just off of the couple months that he played with us, his quote unquote market value skyrocketed to like 11 million, which is already out of the realm of what we were going to be paying for somebody else. So if, if you go out and have a, a good run and a noticeable run in the Libertadores, you're probably automatically out of, <laughs> out of the picture for us. So the challenge then is you're looking at, scouting players from maybe uh, slightly less successful teams like Domas Chacon coming from Danubio in Uruguay. But our challenge then is like, you've got to let them play. Yeah. You've got to to feel confident in your own scouting and your own coaching to actually give some of these guys a chance. And that's, that's one of the biggest differences between MLS teams like ours and league MX teams. Like they sign these guys, but then they play them. <laughs> and then they sell them. They make money off them. Right. Um, or 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 Minnesota United and MLS teams like I don't know FC Dallas or LAFC Union, right? <laughs> I mean, LAFC's team is basically an Liga MX roster. If you look at if you look at who they have, they've got like six or seven youth internationals from South America. You've got the Uruguayan pair. You've got guys from Ecuador. You've got Colombians, and they're playing them. These are people that are, you know, 20, 22 years old and they're getting regular minutes. Um, and you've got to be confident enough in giving those guys a shot and letting them be that guy. Because in our case, those are the guys that we can afford. <laughs> you know, we can't afford the 25 year olds. We can afford the 19 or 20 year old, but then they got to play. Well said. Well said. Um, next point I've got, uh, black players for change along with the uh, black women's player collective, uh, Rodrigo, this, this is something I know that you're a big fan of. And we talked with Sarah last week, they're building a whole bunch of mini pitches throughout the country. I think the goal is to build 12. They've already started breaking ground. I think the first one's in San Diego and they have another one. I don't think I got it all in here, but uh, just super cool to see that those organizations are just like doing the work. Like we're going to bring the game to these communities. Look, all I got to say, and, and pickleball and handball people well maybe not so much handball and 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 people who play tennis are gonna hate me but i want every tennis court in the twin cities turned into futsal court that's all i'm saying all right <laughs> i'm okay with that it's gonna bring some battles <laughs> i'll prove that sure. <laughs> you, you send those not to the uh, ML, uh to the uh, minnesota football show twitter but specifically to rodrigo's <laughs> All the comments. Um, MLS coach news, Armas to uh, to Toronto. Um, I, I thought this was really interesting. This is Eves uh, Gallarsep. He's talking about the six degrees USMNT MLS. So he says, a torn ACL forced Armas to miss the 2002 World Cup. Uh, Greg Vanny was then set to replace him, but also was injured. So Steve Chirundalu Karun- uh, ends up replacing him. Now, 19 years, almost uh, two decades later, almost, Vanny leaves Toronto. Armas beats uh, Torundalu for Vanny's old job. Just kind of, bleh, that whole mess. <laughs> but, yeah, should be good. If it ain't messy, it's not football. Um, any, any other comments there, or should we talk about this new uh, logo? Let's, let's talk about this, yeah. Let's talk about the Club de Foot Montreal. Wait, wait. What do you guys think? That's supposed to be a snowflake, right? Yeah. 
Yes. I like uh, it. I like it. It it feels what, what, it feels very target. Like, you know, like like I've seen like snowflake sweaters, you know, like the ones that are out there. I mean, no, I I I think it's a nice logo. It's it's simple. Um I just I just like to I just like the fact that I can call a team and call them the snowflakes and not get in trouble for it. Right? <laughs> nice. I like it though. I think, I, I think it's an improvement. I think Im- impact to me, even in the pre MLS days, always was kind of, kind of cringy. My opinion. It was very, it was kind of cartoonish is what it, I kind of remember. It was, it had a very like 1990s lower league vibe to it. Right. And, and then, and and then I know- they grabbed a big TNT cartoonish thing and just blow themselves up every time yeah. they get a chance to. You know, the, the new logo, I think, is nice. The one thing I would say, though, is that, like, their old logo had the fleur-de-lis, which at least you see and you kind of associate, okay, French, Montreal, you can kind of make a connection there. And maybe it's just that we also live in a cold-weather city that gets snow, but there's not, like, I don't see a snowflake and go, oh, Montreal. Mm, I see what you're saying. Maybe people I, in other places do, but... Right. That, that was kind of my initial reaction, but once I got more of the explanation, it kind of started to grow on me. Like, I like the idea Montreal is an island, so it's, you know, the center is representing the island, and apparently they have this great transit system, so thus the arrows, yeah. and you got the colors worked in there, and, and, and the M's for the city. Like, the more, the more I started to put the pieces together, I'm like, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. And, and the one thing I do really appreciate and I think both you guys probably saw and heard this. They released a promo video in Mohawk in an indigenous Canadian language in Mohawk. And it was spectacular. And just to think about, I guess this will, this criticism on, on Minnesota United and not just Minnesota United, but other MLS teams for their outreach. And just to look at the diverse communities that surround all these teams. I mean, the fact that maybe it's taken this long uh, for a team to do something like this, but then they, they did it. They freaking did it. And now it's like, you know, where's everybody else? Where, where are you? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was great. It was fantastic. Well, and, L- and LAFC recently did a, a cool promo video and, and kind of merchandise release in Korean. Thank you. Yes. Which is another cool thing. And, and, and you look at Minnesota United, especially now, given the location of the stadium, um, man, we've, we've got to do better. We've got to do more um, to reach out to different communities in our, in our own backyard. And there's really no excuse for it at this point. Totally agree. Rodrigo? No, I, I just wanted to, to like say that when I first saw this and you, someone said, you know, what's a snowflake or it's snow. And I'm like, the first thing came to mind and Eric knows that is I'm like, ah, fighting that oppressive whiteness that comes from the sky. That's the, like, you know, living from a cold city, cold, cold, living in a cold city where winter like surrounds you so much. It's just like one of those things that I would be thrown off by, by that. Like I, I don't want to see a snowflake. I don't want to wear a snowflake. Uh, but like, I totally get it, right? I mean, I think once you describe the arrows and all the other stuff, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. I see more of a W and I think of Wu-Tang, but that's just me, uh, <laughs> right? You know, you can have like a Wu Wednesday, give they have a Wednesday game or something like that. That would that'd be great. I would love, I would so get behind a Wu Wednesday somewhere on the MLS. Like that PR people get that going specifically. Hey, Montreal, you're listening to this somehow by some, you know, some way, some other, just say, hey, I thought of the idea, Montreal Wednesday. That's what you, so you got to do. Right. Right. When COVID was starting to hit, we had a trip planned to Montreal that ended up being shut down because of course everything was shut down. So I'm, I, I'm kind of bummed because 
I really wanted to get to, to see the city and, and, and get to know the, the place a little bit. And it, it's still on my list. We're still going to make it happen. We have, we have tons of flight credits for whenever we can do that stuff again, but uh, I, I hope to make it out there in the near future, just because it's not a place I'm familiar with and I I'm interested. I want to go. Um, ISC that's coming up this coming week. I don't know if any of you, either of you two or listeners are, are interested, but the entire conference, because again, because of COVID is, is virtual. It's all zoom and it's all online. They have a whole bunch of speakers, uh, a lot of different panels, uh, two of which at, at least maybe more are public, including this, this one that I have listed here, which is, uh, hosted by the black players for change and, and the women's association as well. Black women's players collective. There's like one or two players from each and a moderator, um, I think question mark, there's still some space. I'm not sure, but I would suggest if you're interested to, to get in there and get on it soon before it, uh, fills up and there's some really other cool things too, and should be really fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Any, anybody thinking about going into that stuff? Rodrigo or Adam? I would, I would love to <laughs> probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. The two-year-old thing kind of throws a wrench in a lot of that stuff. I remember those days. <laughs> Rodrigo does too. <laughs> um, NWL, NWSL draft also happened. I, I didn't put them all down in here, but we have uh, Racing Louisville is, is the new expansion team. So they got the first pick. Emily Fox from North Carolina. I don't know. Did either of you follow this? or? So uh, I think one of the interesting stories following that draft was like, a big part of the conversation seemed to be the duration of time. That, oh that yeah. Um, but it sounds like they, they did wrap everything up in kind of one day. I know there were, there were some concerns that it was going to stretch into, into two days, but um, you know, drafts are always funny to me in any sport. It's just this weird American thing that we do. Um, yeah. Did hard- you know who got drafted at the number two spot? I saw it, but I didn't put it in here. Tell me. Trinity. Rodman. Rodman, Rod, daughter of the NBA legend Dennis Rodman. Oh wow, there you go. Which so, team do you remember? Um, I want to see. Well, do I want to say Sky Blue? Why do I want to say Sky Blue? Please, that would make Sky Blue. Yeah, but probably, it's Sky <laughs> Blue, but I'm not sure. But okay. Because um, she's played Concacaf. Uh, the Spirit. That's what she is. Spirit. Okay. She. Cool. Uh, but she's played in the U20 women's and played in the U20 women's World Cup game. So, I mean, I think it's I, – I haven't seen much tape, but that's one thing that excites me about uh, uh, is that, you know, there's tons of talent out there that we can we can be doing it. So I just wish there was a much better agreement in system <laughs> so far. But we'll see where we get there. You know, we'll get there. But um, – I think that's one of the things that, that I found really interesting, you know, uh, was that, you know, I missed the draft, but one of the things that came out there, I was like, wait, Trinity Rodman got drafted. Yes. There you go. Maybe just we'll imagine dad in the stands. I just want to see dad well, in the stands. That's what I'm saying. Like Maybe hairstyles some... and whatever. Yes. That's like what I, if I was Thank the spirits, you. I'd be like, all right, Dennis Rodman, what can we do PR wise to get you to come? Her, her, her gift for entering the, uh, like the locker room, the team is just like a box of hair dye. <laughs> just go to town, <laughs> have fun. <laughs> uh, all right. Do we, do we want to take a break or should we just keep rolling internationals? 
keep rolling. He says, keep rolling. All right. And on the international side, I think we can do this pretty quickly here. I just had a couple FA Cup things. Just the goodness of the lower division teams beating Premier League teams. Crawley Town, third division team, beats Leeds United last week. So good for Crawley Town. And then the other big one, um, Marine, who are an eighth division team, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the Liverpool area. They hosted Tottenham. And Tottenham just, like, destroyed them. Uh, the Vinicius de Brasileiro gets a hat trick. But that's not the story. I mean, you know, this, this, we, we were talking about this basically with, with Sarah last week. This would be, this would be uh, Minneapolis City. We talked about Minneapolis City playing in Allianz, right? This is the flip. This would be Minneapolis City hosting <laughs> Minnesota United at uh, Nelson, Edward Nelson in, in Augsburg, which would be spectacular because it's like you look at this photo and you got these legendary players like, playing in people's backyards like gareth bale is like walking by dude's fence while he's out there like grilling a steak (laughs) it's amazing the the aesthetics of the fa cup when the lower league teams are still involved are are second to none i mean that's that's part of what's fascinating about it is you get to you get to see these venues that are literally you know in people's backyards and even there's not fans allowed because it's in people's backyards there's like the woman standing at her fence with a drink or the guy grilling in his yep. backyard. And there's like, you know, $30 million player, 15 feet away. It's, it's wild. Yeah. yeah. Like one of those guys is like double or triple the entire budget of that team. Just one player. They're like, uh, I was listening to men in blazers and they were like spotlighting some of the guys. Like one dude was a garbage man. Two of them are dock workers. I mean, they all have like real jobs. Like they're not professional footballers at all. I think I saw one of them even worked for NHS as part of their kind of COVID response. Uh, oh, there you go. Like there was another layer of, of intrigue to all that. But yeah, what a story. Yeah, yeah. It was just fun to see. Um, Schalke, we, we, I don't do a lot. We, we get Bundesliga every once in a while. I don't get a chance to watch it that often, but I try to follow every little thing or not every, uh, some little things here and there. Uh, but we'll try to get better. Rodrigo, you can be our Bundesliga guy. Um, but apparently there's like this new U.S. phenom, uh, Matthew Hoppy. He starts and gets a, uh, a hat trick, 4-0 over Hoffenheim. Adam, did you see this match? I didn't. I saw the highlights, though. I'll be honest. Like, I've traveled all over the world watching the U.S. national team. It's been a big part of my life. I'd never heard of this kid. Right. I'd never heard of him. Um, I don't think part- most of us haven't. It's a big, big surprise. And part of that is, you know, after – 2016 election it's been a little harder for me to get excited about anything related to u.s national team stuff so i've admittedly my radar has gone a little bit quieter than it used to be but but yeah i i had never heard of this kid he goes out and he scores a hat trick not just a hat trick but like quality goals too like little dinks little chips yep um a lot of confidence and it's great that bundesliga clubs continue to keep giving young american kids a shot um, and is yeah. this this is the first hat trick by a U.S. citizen, I think, in the Bundesliga, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right, because I don't think Pulisic ever got one. Wrong on that, but um, yeah, cool, cool story. No doubt. Yeah, no, I I think too that that just proves more and more, you know, how like a, the Weston McKinney's of the world aspect of it, like where like European leagues and teams are looking into the United States for quality talent that can come up at, at a good price, right? That they can develop. And then when they sell them for like $10, $12 million, 
right? Or what was it? What was Pulisic's price tag? Like even more than that, probably. I think around that time, eleven, twelve. Even sounds right. Somewhere that there. that you that you you know that you were able to make that investment and like you, and you look at the uh, let's say the Philadelphia Unions of the world and the FC Dallas of the world if they are able to sell a player for like even five six million dollars to a European team that you know in itself like pays off a lot of the investment that you had in the academy aspect of it yes academies are you know they're not cheap right. But at the same time, if you're able to consistently produce players who may not not even get like to the million dollar range, but five hundred thousand dollars every year, that adds up eventually. That, that you are doing something right. But it gets back to the the initial point we were talking about earlier. Like you got to play these guys. Then you've got to if you want to ever sell these players, you've got to give them a showcase, and that means you have to play them. I mean, look at what happened with Dane St. Clair with Minnesota United. He was kind of a fringe. People were wondering, could he actually play? He got thrown into a situation unexpectedly, did well, and now his value is is seven figures. If you if you believe transfer marked, which grain of salt, but but that's a good example of like you, you throw these guys into a situation, you let them prove themselves or not. If they don't, you move on. But if they do, now you've got a you've got a good player that's a benefit to your team. B, you've got a potential resource that you can flip and turn into something else. So, but that doesn't happen if they're sitting on the bench. Right. And then you look at the, the if you're looking at Dallas, you look at the Ricardo Pepe's of the world, right? They did 19 year old kids who are placing speed fast, who score games in playoffs games. I mean, those that just boost up your, um, your team as in your club in the aspect of development. So, I mean, like, yeah, once, once that, that becomes, consistent enough i think that's when it becomes more and more and i think europe is in the right track of trying to figure out because more and more players are, are getting a look and more and more players are going to to be picked up so yeah the floodgates are open which is which is great to see it's it's it's, it's kind of sucks that it's taken this long but now that it's hit it's i think everybody's paying attention which is good um th- i don't have to spend a lot of time on this one but this is just Bolsonaro being the horrible, disgusting human that he is. Um, He's basically withdrawing financial support from from, uh, football and sports unions in in, uh, Brasileiro. And the the really nasty thing about this is in this this last labor contract they negotiated, there was an actual portion in there for them to help out with with their health care and COVID-related expenses and things specifically. And he just slashed it. He just got rid of it. the good news, which isn't, I guess, indirectly related to all of this, is um, there's a lot of impeachment momentum all of a sudden now, and it's 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 spreading from from this country to other countries, and and that also ties into a, a horrible tragedy that that's happening in in Amazonas right now in Manaus, where the healthcare system is collapsing under the pandemic, and hospitals are out of oxygen. It, it it's it's a really really sad tragic terrible situation um but just yesterday i mean like every city of over a million people were having panelazos like all night and you're starting to get that momentum that something needs to happen so it's something to pay attention to uh it it, it, to think that maybe in a month we could have two impeachments in in both countries where i have citizenship would be uh would be a nice gift (laughs) with with all that said does he does he still have support from prominent players because i think he did it that was a, that was a big talking oh, for a yeah. while 
He does. I mean, was. yeah, yeah. They're, that's the, not going away. When when you're associated the guy from, with power, then that's that's usually the way it works. So the most vocal is the cat from from Tottenham. Um, what's his the the striker? Um, I'm trying to remember his name. It's escaping me right now. But he's definitely in there. I, on the domestic side, I think it's more of a toss up. But I, I think for whatever reason, the, the the guy from from Spurs is is very very vocal supporter. People domestically that that more directly see the results of his actions are maybe less likely to. <laughs> You got it. Yeah, you got it. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see how that all plays out. But, you know, we're, we're very much a pro labor uh, podcast here and, and, and really hope that these guys at the very least get their get their health care, especially in a, in a pandemic. So hopefully, Eric, that gets do you, do you want to give us a, a Goyas update? <laughs> do I have to? <laughs> they're they're still in relegation from what I know, but uh, but they're actually not at the bottom. So that's there there's your update i think i can't remember who they play next but uh the season's all messed up because of the pandemic because normally this would be off season and they'd be they'd be starting up after carnival and but there is no carnival this year so they're just playing through it um so there's still like another two months that they can hopefully dig themselves out that's that's kind of where we're at right and then uh, and then there's a luis alberto maguito vilela news right do you want to touch on that this is um for for uh for Goyas? Um trying to yeah, this is a Goya supporter who uh, passed away. Oh oh I see where you're going. No man, this this isn't supporter. This is this is the mayor of Guayana. Oh, that's the mayor, sorry. Okay. Yeah, this I, is my, my Portuguese I mean, is, is not the okay. best though. No, he's yeah, he, he just stepped in and uh like the election wasn't that long ago. Uh very big Goyas supporter. Um, not that old of a dude. I mean, you're looking here, 49, 21. So, you know, what is that? Puts him in his 60s, late 60s, I guess. Um, but I, I guess he, um, the story is he, he, uh, he tested negative, and then was hospitalized with something else that they're not releasing, which was totally fine, totally understandable. And so he goes into the hospital to get treated for whatever he's dealing with, and I think he gets COVID while in the hospital, which is something we've heard before. And between that and whatever he was dealing with, his body just couldn't take it and, and he passes away. So yeah, so Goyaz Esporti Kulubi has been, has been basically showing their, um, their shield, but all in black, uh, just in, in respect and in mourning, mourning for, uh, for Vilela, uh, the mayor of Goiania. Goiania is a big city, like it gets overlooked, but I mean, I, that, I spent a lot of time there uh when i was a kid especially but even now it's that's where i have to fly in to get wherever i'm going and it's you know it's top 20 it's 2.5 million it's it's a large city so sad but let's let's head to uh libertadores so i mentioned uh so we had palmeiras and river plate palmeiras has this thing essentially wrapped up we talked about this last week they have a three nil lead going to brazil in the bag but this is Comebol, baby. <laughs> Never say die. So River Plate wins this thing, but uh, but they lose on aggregate. But the the name I mentioned before, Borre, he scores this amazing goal. Well, the first goal comes in the 29th minute, just a great header. I missed it, but I got to see the Borre goal right before halftime. This cross comes barreling in, and it's, it's just going wide. It, it's not going to go in. And you don't even see him. He's, he's like a lightning bolt just from nowhere. 
zooms in diving header to catch it and, and get it in. It was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, and then, so, so we go to halftime, 2-0, River Plate. This is when I text Rodrigo. I'm like, dude, are you watching this game? <laughs> Turn it on. <laughs> right, and this is when we are like, at that moment, I was like on my phone, and I was like, okay, time to search for pirate, pirated yes. views on, on Facebook. Afraid, and we're like, That's yeah. right. Private, yeah, yeah, pirate Facebook. Um, so then, then it becomes super come bolasso here because it, River Plate is – just like I mentioned earlier, they're crushing Palmeiras. They have no defensive structure. The midfield is losing all the battles. And it's just constant wing cuts. It's constant shots. It's just this barrage, barrage, barrage. And then there's all these VARs kind of just kind of start to, to line up. So the first one, it looks like it's a goal in the 52nd minute by Montiel. Low shot off the cross. I think I even tweeted, here we are, 3-3. And then it was, a you know, it's similar to like Liga Miakis, like, these guys are a little slower sometimes to get the process going. So they, they celebrate a couple minutes go by there's arguing. And then the ref finally goes and does the VAR thing. It's like, Oh man, here we go. It's going to be like 10 minutes before we get this sorted. Um, and it turns off that aforementioned Bore was actually offsides on the play. So goal is an old back to uh, back to two nil, a three, two aggregate for Palmeiras. Um, we need reds. This is, this is Libertadores. This is semifinals. Here comes your red. And how beautiful is this? The dude's name is Rojas. <laughs> Roja, Roja para Rojas in the 74th. He gets it. It was just accumulation. He gets his second yellow. Uh, so he's out. So now river plate is, is down a player, but they're still going and they're still attacking. And again, 75th minute, it gets taken down, and it looks like uh, a penalty kick. Everybody's setting up for a penalty kick. Again, there's a scuffle. There's a scuffle. Second VAR happens. Keep, keep count now. This is number two. <laughs> and they rule out, no PK. We're going to keep going. All right, fine. And so then we get to the 83rd minute. Uh, I put, just put amazing save by Weberton, the Palmeiras keeper, a goal that definitely looked, I mean, it looked like it was going to happen. Plus nine, you guys. Plus nine when we get to 90 minutes. <laughs> exactly. I was just shaking his head. <laughs> That's yeah. what I thought, too. It was like, but you think about it. They've survived two VARs and all that stuff. It's just like, it's a chaos. It's beautiful chaos. Yeah. So right, in the 98th right, yeah. minute, yeah, 98th minute, we go to, count it, the third VAR. Uh, the ref stops. Um, everybody's tense, as you can imagine, because they're trying to wrap this thing up. And again, it looked like it was going to be a PK. They annul that PK. And there's your final score. River wins 2-0. The Palmeiras advances on aggregate 3-2 after escaping three VARs <laughs> and going down with the red. So I mean, next, we next week's episode, I'm probably we're going to break down all the VARs because if you don't know, one of my favorite things it. to do now uh, is to go to the Comebol uh, YouTube channel because they've, re they've released all three of these VARs and like they, they show you how, how like the fourth official and the VAR specialist, they're all like all talking to each other. It's beautiful and fun yeah. to watch. And we've been advocate for like the MLS to do something similar. And now I don't know, Adam, if you are familiar with that, but like, they do an amazing, great job of just like explaining to you why that call. And specifically, this this the the Rojas red card, like it's it's just amazing how he doesn't even go for the ball. He just swings at him like a like a like a leg sweep. 
with power. And then he's like got his hands up in the air and like have hearing the conversation about how it's like, let's go back to that patada. You know, like, like they're acknowledging that was the, the, when you say patada, that means you're acknowledging that it was a big kick. Like it was, yeah, it had, there's know. no intention of like doing anything else. So like, yeah, no, like it's, it's, it's anyone does anything. Subscribe to the Comebol YouTube channel just to be able to watch all these conversations and everything else on it because it's 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 amazing. Back, it's worth going back to and watching uh, Frank Fabra's uh, red card Boca player. He just he just unabashedly stomps on the Santos player, uh, like totally lost it, completely that's, lost. It. And that's that's, that's the, the segue about these games. You watch them and you're, you're going like from the get go. You're going no way this finishes eleven v eleven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Was that was that in this leg or the other leg? I can't even remember now that that red card you were talking about. It might have been the first leg. Uh, oh, no, no, this was it. Fabra, 56. I got it. I yeah. got it in here. Yeah, it was this game. Um, that, that was kind of a one of the more interesting points because like they came in nil nil and and Santos just just hit the gas pedal on this match. I, I didn't expect him to come out like this, but 16 minute Pituca scores. Uh, this, this one was kind of a funny one because everybody stopped like right in the box. And I think the, the, the Boca defense was looking for an offside call on the keeper too. And I think even the Bituca and like a couple of the wingers were like looking at the refs and like nobody called anything. So homeboy just turns around and shoots and scores while everybody's like, still like, what, what's happening? So I mean, just, you got to keep playing. No whistle, no whistle. <laughs> so that was the first one. Uh, the aforementioned, uh, Soteldo, the guy from Venezuela, great, just from way downtown, banger outside the box. He's he's fun to watch. He would be a phenomenal left winger for Minnesota United. Uh, Braga scores in the 51st. Uh, really fun tiki-taka. I mean, there was like four or five passes in three seconds, and then the shot was fun to watch. Yes, uh, Adam, I'll, I'll let you talk about this one then. 56, uh, it was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you watch it again, and it, it's it's worse every time you watch it because at first in real time, you're like, oh man, that that's that might be red, and then you see it again in the replay, and, and you're like, what are you doing? Like he, yeah, no attempt whatsoever to do anything other than stomp on the dude's stomach. It was kind of like the like the hockey check first, yeah. and then stomp right just, on him, just stomps him, and you know at that yeah. point they're down three nil, so they're just you know. At, frustration set in but you know you wonder when players do this stuff when it's not even it's not even sneaky it's not even you know dark arts type stuff it's just blatant like yeah. you know you're going to get sent off you know you're going to get suspended you know you're going to get fined i don't know that that one was one of the more uh libertadores baby i've seen I mean, it's called me ball yeah. <laughs> a it's come ball and b we're talking about boca juniors and river play like well, we got so those, those two groups have like so much violence between each other, like enough oh, yeah. that like yeah, but like maybe the maybe Brazilian clubs time, are not innocent either. Ever. Right? I mean, no, <laughs> no. That's what I'm saying. It's like right now, what it's gonna look like, and like at the, when we talked a couple of weeks back, we were talking. It was like this could be another Boca River final, but it's looking more like it's just, this is going to be, uh, but uh, um, it just could be a, a, a Brazilian final. And, yep. and that would be awesome as well too i mean i just just like how santos has been playing lately i mean i don't know like that's so that's crazy. you're right on bud so we've got so your final is set for the end of the month january 30th uh all brazil palmeiras versus santos 
in Maracana, so in Rio. So I put in here, <laughs> somehow Flamengo is going to get involved in this and sabotage everything. <laughs> it's Flamengo land and you got two Sao Paulo teams coming in. So get ready for that drama. <laughs> um, but we ended... We ended right on track for the for the Libertadores madness because I, I was taking different polls of goals to red card ratios. This is like spot on middle of the line. Eight goals, three reds. It's like C plus, baby, right there. <laughs> very, and, and very, was, very disappointing for Comebol Libertadores. Well, what I was going to say, though, that, that's with a nil-nil tie. You got to remember that the first Boca Santos was nil-nil. If, if that would have been like, these other ones, we would have been way up, you know, in, in, in the goodness where we like to be. <laughs> the goodness of the chaos, if that's how I want to look at it. So anyway, yes, the final's coming. Um, should be fun. I mean, obviously, there won't be any any supporters or anybody around, but two offensive powerhouses, it's, it's, it's just going to be interesting who decides to defend. That's kind of the way I see it. Um, wrap this thing up here. African Nations Championship. I'm not as familiar with this one. It's not the African Cup of Nations, but that tournament just started. Uh, Cameroon played Zimbabwe. Uh, Mali, Burkina Faso, I think is going on. I put this one in for EPL today just because uh, Mr. Dan over at uh, Minneapolis City used to play for Brighton and his, his Brighton took down Leeds 1-0. So there you go. And I guess the last point I have... Uh, This is from Mr. Fangmeyer Rodrigo. He's talking about the, the CONCACAF Champions League released their roster of all the different teams. And uh, good old Atlanta United finishing 23rd, 23rd in the, in the lineup. Adam's laughing. I, I just put it here. We're, we're getting a taste of the, of, the, uh, of the corruption of the rest of the leagues throughout the world when, when the 23rd ranked team is going to represent the country in this competition. Yay. <laughs> what, a, what a cluster. Come on. There, there were like five different ways that they could have determined who would take that slot, and they picked mm. the absolute worst one. That's spot on. It Which was? A mess. Which was? allowing Atlanta in because they won the the US Open Cup from two years ago because there wasn't an open cup this year. Yep. Which is the game they beat us in. Now I saw somebody else pose the question on Twitter. If we had won that game and we won the US Open Cup two years ago, does anybody really believe that we would have gotten that spot? Probably oh not. yeah. I doubt it. I doubt it. <sighs> What a mess. Well gentlemen, that's all I've got. Unless you've got anything you want to you want to end on, I'm good. It's been a pleasure, guys. Yeah, it's right been on. a lot well, of thank fun. Thank you again. That's yeah, yep. Thanks so, for sticking around, Adam and Rodrigo. As always. Yeah, no, yes. thanks. Thanks to everyone. Thanks to all the listeners. Uh, uh, check our Twitter feed. Check our social media. Uh, for those for those of you are that are Patreon su subscribers, we have some really interesting, cool things coming up that we, we we've been working on. So we'll see what. What, what the release days for those us but um until are you, are, are you referring to the fact that uh, hop clouds picked up more uh more plums from my home oh man <laughs> We, yeah it's true we're gonna and do it, it is above of... 32 degrees so that means a brewing care see i'm learning yep. things from you and everything yep, else yep, right? yep. We're, so we're like you can brew because like if the... you if if you had that plums beer First, I didn't know it was like 8.2 alcohol contact or whatever it was right <laughs> so like i'm drinking one during a meeting right like a work meeting and like i realized that by the time i'm halfway through it's 8.2 and there's still like 20 minutes left of this meeting and i was like you know what screw it and i just chucked the whole thing but not on camera but like there was, was like and i felt great for the next hour and a half 
So I'm looking forward yeah. for that to to come back and hopefully Hop Clouds make a make a wonderful delivery to my house uh, and go. and see how we can mass produce that at one point. Hopefully, Patreon.com backslash MN Football Show. Yeah, that'll be coming at some point, but. Uh, Back by popular demand and and Rodrigo's business meetings apparently intoxicated by by my neighbor's plums. <laughs> right on, thank you, caballeros.